Ah, this. I long to be loved. And it is a constant anguish. What am I to do? You question all right? <coughs> I long to be loved. And it is a constant anguish. What am I to do? And most of us in this position, we all want to be loved. Especially by what? Now, let's go into this. And God, what now? It's a very complex question. Why do we want to be loved? And why has it become anguish? An anguish. What is the cause, the root, or the motive wanting to be loved? You understand my question? I want to be loved by you. God forbid, but I want to be loved by you. Why? Is it I'm lonely? Is it that I feel if I'm not loved, I have no raison d'être to live? Is it that if I'm loved, I feel I can flower, grow, be happy and all that? Right? Is it in be that I in myself I'm nothing, but when you love me, I become something? You're following all this? Please, this is your life, not my life. So please listen to this. So, there is a cause which makes me demand, say, I'm, I want your love. Right? There is a cause. There is a motive. There is a background which says, I must have that. Right? So, we have seen some of the causes. I am desperately lonely. You all know that, don't you? Married, unmarried, whether you are amongst a group, and so on. Human beings, through their self-centered activity, bring about loneliness. Right? Is that, is that one of the causes <coughs> of the desire to be loved? As long as there is a cause, the effect is to demand that I, you should love me. Right? So can I understand the cause 
and be free of the cold. Lekapi, you have understood, I'm saying. Please, sir, this is your life. I am lonely, depressed, isolated, and feel desperately unhappy. And if you love me, I see by your everything so beautiful. So my demand, my desire, my longing is based on loneliness, demand for companionship with whom I can talk, unfold all the rest of it. So there is a core, right? Now, do I see the cause, actually? The cause is, I am lonely. I'm taking that one instance. I am lonely. And I want you to love me, for God's sake. And you don't. You turn away from me. Either commit suicide, right, or I become full of anxiety, right, depressed, more depressed than ever. I then escape from myself, football, church, new guru, or the latest literature, the latest picture, talk about it, right. Is the cause of loneliness seen? Loneliness is a sense of isolation, right? The isolation comes into being as long as I am self centered, thinking about myself, I am unhappy, I, am, I want you to love me. You follow? I've reduced all my life, which is such an extraordinary thing, to a small affair that you love me. You understand? Such a petty little affair I've reduced it. And being isolated, I'm unhappy and I wish you'd crave for you to love me. This particular fly is fond of me. <laughs> you understand? See the tremendous complexity of a very simple question. I want to be loved. And I am not loved, therefore I am full of anxiety. And the question said, what am I to do? When the mind is, when the brain is caught in such anxiety, hmm, such anguish, 
It can't think clearly, can it? Right? It can't even listen. It is so full of its own anxiety, its own sense of desperation. Now, can there be an interval in which you listen? You understand? A short period in which you say, tell me about it. And then, will you listen? Or will you say, no, I don't want to listen, because I, I still love being in a tremendous sense of anxiety. You understand? Most people do. Without that sense of anguish, you are nothing. That sense of anguish keeps you alive. No? No, come on, say this all ordinary psychology, childish psychology. So will you, if you are in such anguish, for a few minutes listen to what is being said? Or you love your anguish so much you don't want to listen? <coughs> so, as we were saying the other day, if you really listen, it's your heart, it's your mind, it's all your being. Then you have a space. You have your brain becomes quiet. Then you listen. Then that very listening is like a seed that is being sown. Then you don't have to do a thing. It then grows and multiplies. And when you understand. Love is not something to be asked for. You don't stretch out your hand to be loved. That means you are dependent on somebody. That means you really don't love at all. If you are asking another to be loved, you are asking to be loved by another, that means you have no love in yourself. So obvious. If you have love, you don't ask anybody to be loved, that you be loved. See, we are making ourselves into beggars. That's what's happening. When we go to church, pray, we are beggars. When we want somebody to help us, we are beggars. Or when we depend on books, we are beggars. You may be, it may be all right, we are beggar. But see the consequences of it. You're always depending on somebody else. 
and there are all those people who help you fill your bowls full of their rubbish. So, see what, is, what has taken place when we hear this question. I want to be loved, and I'm not. I live in great ang anguish. What am I to do? That means one has no love in oneself. Then how can another love you? You understand? If you have no love, and you are incapable then of receiving love. You understand? Love is not a vacuum, vacuum in a sense of emptiness. On the contrary, if you have that tremendous feeling, not feeling, a quality, a depth, a beauty, then you don't ask anybody for love. It's like a cup being full. Right? If you have listened to this very carefully, then this problem is gone. So if one is willing to go so far, then we can begin to find out what is the meaning of all this existence. Please, as we said during these talks and before, we are exploring together. We are sharing our explorations together, because there is no authority. Though the speaker sits on a platform because it's convenient, people can see. The platform doesn't give him any authority, and he doesn't accept any authority. So we are together, and we mean together, explore and find out for ourselves together, if there is any meaning to life at all, any depth to life at all, or merely a passing event in a long series of historical processes. So, to explore in any field, there must be freedom, freedom to examine, so that in that very examination there is no distortion. 
if there is when there is distortion there is a motive behind that distortion a motive to find an answer a motive which you would like to have or which you think will solve our problems a motive which may be based on past experience past knowledge and all knowledge is the past and if there is any motive there must be distortion so can the mind can our mind which is our common mind because we are all we have the same content in our consciousness for all human beings whether they live in the far east middle east and or far west go through this process of fear agony torture anxiety fear and endless conflict inwardly and outwardly that's the common consciousness of mankind so when you examine your own consciousness you are looking into the consciousness of man and therefore it is not a, a personal individualistic examination on the contrary you are looking into the consciousness of the world which is you which is a fact when you go into it very deeply so a mind that is free which is a, a tremendous demand which demands that you as a human being are committed totally to the transformation of that of the content of consciousness because the content make the consciousness and we are concerned with the transformation with the total psychological revolution of this consciousness and to explore it you need great energy and that energy comes into being when there is no dissipation of energy one dissipates through trying to dis- to overcome what is to deny what is to escape from what is or to say i will or analyze what is because the analyzer as we said during all these many talks of for many years the analyzer is the analyzed there is analyzer is not different from that which he analyzes when you are envious or angry or greedy whatever it is when you analyze the process of greed the analyzer is himself greed 
that which he analyzes is not separate from him. And this is a, this is a fundamental reality. So we are asking what is the meaning and the significance of life? If there is any at all, if we say there is, you have already committed yourself to something. Therefore, you are already you cannot examine. You have already started with distortion. Or if you say there is nothing, no meaning to life. That also is another form of distortion. So one, one must be completely free of both, both the positive and the negative assertions. So, as we said, this is part of meditation. This is the real beginning of meditation. The gurus that come over to this country from India and are springing up all over the world, like so many mushrooms, they have brought to this world great many meanings. There is the transcendental meditation, and I wish they hadn't used that lovely word, which is the repetition of certain words. And they are really, in Sanskrit, there are very, very few mantras which we won't go into now. And the repetition of those words, given at a certain price on the market, give you, if you repeat every morning for twenty minutes in the afternoon, twenty minutes and another twenty minutes in the evening, bring you a certain quality of quietness, constant repetition. You can just as well repeat Ave Maria or Coca-Cola, or any other mechanical repetition, it will certainly give you a certain quality of quietness. But this is mechanistic quietness, because you have reduced the brain to constantly repeat, 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 if you have tried it, even for two minutes, how mechanically it becomes. It becomes quiet. But that's no more transcendental than uh, anything else. And thereby we think we'll experience something that's beyond the material process of thought. So, there is this, 
that man seeks experience. He seeks experience other than the ordinary daily experience. We are bored or tired or fed up with all the experiences we have of life, and we hope to capture some experience which is not the product of thought. And the to experience, the word means to go through, to go through with anything and end it, not remember it and carry it on. But we don't do that. To recognize an experience, you must have already had known it, otherwise it's not new experience. So a mind that demands experience, please listen to this, other than the mere physical, psychological, everyday experience, some that demands something far greater and above all this, what it will experience is its own projection, and therefore it is still mechanistic, still materialistic, which is the product of thought. So, when you do not demand any experience, when there is no distortion and therefore no illusion, and you have, one has understood the whole meaning of desire, which we went into many times during these and other talks, which is sensation plus thought is desire with its image. And so, desire is also a distortion when in the process of examination. I hope you are following all this. Then only the mind, the whole structure of consciousness, being free, is capable of looking at itself, looking at itself without any distortion, as you see in a clear mirror your face. The mirror reflects exactly what your face is. There is no distortion unless the mirror is distorted. So in that way the, the mind includes the brain and all the nervous organisms, the whole totality which is the mind, is now free, absolutely without any distorting movement. Distortion takes place when there is effort, right? Effort implies me and something I am going to achieve, division between me and that. That division 
invariably brings conflict, as in the nationalities and so on. Wherever there is division, there must be conflict. And so, meditation comes only when there is the complete ending of conflict. Therefore, every other form of meditation where there is effort, practice, control, has no meaning. I think psychological knowledge has made us die. Yes, well, it's kept the brain. It's kept the brain moving in an unnecessary way. It's yeah. clear, but uh, it's all knowledge. Well, no, I mean, you could say in some sense knowledge needn't make you die, I suppose. But uh, um, if it starts from the clarity of uh, where we don't have this psycho- this knowledge at the core, you know, at the end. That's yes, sir. You remember we said too. Mm. in our discussion, um, the ground is not knowledge. Yes, well, even, see, let's, I think the first thing is it creates the emptiness yes, to sir. see this, right? That's it. But uh, not yet the ground, I mean. Yes. Hmm? Huh? Not, I mean, but not immediately the ground. No, that's right. But I think that you know, the main point, you know, which communicates, which could communicate is to see that knowledge in all its forms, you know, subtle and obvious, cannot solve the psychological problem, it can only make it worse. But then there's another energy which is involved. You see, but now it's happening. Hmm. If any trouble arises, I go to a psychologist. If any family trouble, I go to uh, somebody who will tell me what to do. Everything is being around me, is being organized and making me more and more and more helpless. Right? Which is what's happening. Yes, well, that's <coughs> part of the same uh, trend. Uh, hmm? It's part of the same trend to trend, extend course, knowledge into every the same space. Trend. That, to organize our lives in more and more detail. What time is it? About twenty past five. Five twenty. Yes. I think it's about better stop, don't you? Shall we meet again? On Saturday, we suggested. Yes, let's do it. Same time, yeah.